Well, we got a hot topic today. Whew. The miniseries is called The Hottest Subject in the World. And it certainly is. And as we saw last time, there are some biblical terms for the afterlife. And, you know, that's a part of life that, why is it so many people disregard? They disregard the afterlife as if it doesn't exist. Oh, it does. Better to find out the easy way than the hard way. The Hebrew word Sheol speaks of the grave. The Greek word Hades speaks of the underworld. Hades had two compartments, paradise, where Old Testament believers went, torments, where Old Testament non-believers went. When Jesus died and ascended into heaven, he took paradise with him, but torments, uh, it's still there. Tartarus, that's the holding tank of angels that sinned in Genesis 6. It's uh, utter darkness. Then there's Gehenna, found in the Valley of Hinnom. And that signifies the eternal lake of fire, what we know as hell. Now, no one can understand eternity like Jesus Christ. I mean, he was there in eternity past, and he'll always be around in eternity future. So he has the best understanding of eternity, right? And he also has done everything possible to help mankind escape from the reality of hell. If anyone goes to hell, they can't say, well, you know what? God didn't do something to help me not get here. Because he did. He sent his son. And his son came to atone for the sins of the whole world. Those that believe on him will never perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, the jailer asked the apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. That means that if your household believes, they'll be saved too. I'll tell you what, there's nothing better in eternity future than the whole family being with God. Nobody left out. All the brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, everybody's together in eternity. It's not a reality, but it could be. So last time together, we took a look at the reality of hell. Is hell real? I think we established the fact that it is. Today, we take a look at those who go there, because we want to be very clear. The first inhabitants of the lake of fire are found in Revelation 19, verse 20. And they are the two most popular and sought-after people during the Great Tribulation. You know who they are? the beast, and the false prophet. It says, The beast was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone. Remember brimstone? We said it was sulfur. Ugh, 
suffocating sulfur. And I wonder, you know, we're living in a day right now, right? Artificial intelligence is gaining ground. Many people are fearful of it. And I wonder what part that will play regarding the image of the beast. Because, you know, written 2,000 years ago, there was no sense of artificial intelligence. But the Bible tells us that the image of the beast will be made to speak. I wonder. I wonder if there's a connection. Well, I won't be here to find out, and that's good enough for me. So, we've got the beast and the false prophet. The third inhabitant to go into the lake of fire, it's Satan himself. Next verse, chapter 10, uh, verse 10, Revelation 20. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Oh, right now the devil's running free, but his day is going to come. And the torment will be day and night forever and ever. And like we said last time, not a minute, not a second of relief. Absolutely no relief at all. So, so far we have the satanic trinity, the devil's counterfeit trinity, sentenced to an eternal torment. Now, you know, it could have stopped right there. That could have been it. The gates of hell could have closed right then. And you know why? Because Jesus said the eternal fire has been prepared for the devil and his angels. That's who hell was made for, Satan and his angels. And that could be the end of it. But you know what? The gates remained open. The gates are open, and this is why. There are many others who will follow. In John chapter 3, verse 3, there's a a conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And they're talking about spiritual things. And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, what does that phrase, born again, mean? Because I'll tell you what, a lot of folks that even consider themselves believers, they don't like that phrase because they don't understand it. They don't know what it means. Here's what it means. It's a spiritual renewal that puts someone in a relationship with God himself. That's what it is. A spiritual renewal or a spiritual regeneration where your spirit has come alive to God. And there's an invitation a few verses down in verse 16 of John chapter 3. For God so loved the world, that's everybody in it, that he gave his only begotten son. Here comes the best part. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the invitation. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Whoever, you're a whoever, I'm a whoever. We're all whoever's. Whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. But wait, verse 18. 
He who believes in him is not judged. That's good. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. We are born condemned. Yeah, we are born judged. That's why we need to be born again. We're born physically into unrighteousness. Through faith in Christ, we're born spiritually into righteousness. Now we can have a relationship with God. So faith in Jesus Christ as Savior removes the believer from the roll call of hell. See, the deception in the world today is, I'm just going to be good enough. I'm good enough. God's going to weigh my good against my bad. And if my good outweighs my bad, I'm okay. Sounds good. It's a deception from the kingdom of darkness. Jesus said, you must be born again. That's it. Because we're born condemned. When we're born again, we attain righteousness. That's what delivers us from hell. See, Jesus came into the world to give people a choice. The world was in darkness, and he brought the light. This is the judgment, verse 19 of John 3, that the light has come into the world. Men love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. What? There are people, they just love badness. They just love evil. They just want it. These these gangs and drug cartels, they just love evil. That's what they do. That's who they are. That's That's how they get their kicks. They love darkness rather than light. Gangsters, that's where they are. That's why, because that's who they are. So Jesus came to bring a light to show, hey, that's not right. So I want to put some light on what it means to believe. Okay? What does it mean? First of all, before we talk about believing, let's talk about unbelief. In verse 20, Jesus said, Everyone who does evil hates the light. That's true. Look at all the people today that hate Christ. You can you can watch just about any movie, and the people that made that movie hate Christ. You can watch any TV show. Look at the networks. They hate Christ. The news networks, they hate Christ. They all do. Everybody who does evil hates the light. And they don't come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So that's why evil people stay in the darkness. For everyone who, who does evil hates the light, does not come to the light. So that's unbelief. They like the darkness. They're like worms in the dirt. They just like it down there, squirming around in the dirt. But one day the bird's going to come and catch that worm, bring him home to the little babies. Now, what's belief? Verse 21, but he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Now, hey, wait a minute here. God is making it clear that mental ascent is not salvation. Mental ascent is not salvation. He who practices the truth, Jesus said, comes to the light. 
See, the demons believe and they tremble, right? The devil never said God doesn't exist. He knows God exists. When Legion came to uh, Jesus, Legion said to Jesus, I know who you are. You're the son of God. There's no atheism in, in the satanic trinity. They all know God exists and who Christ is. So mental ascent really isn't salvation. When Jesus told Nicodemus that the work of the Spirit was like the wind, in other words, you could see its effect, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes, so is a regenerated heart. It's affected as well. In other words, a heart that has been regenerated has a deep appreciation for the Savior who died for him. Something happens. See, salvation is not business as usual. Salvation results in a changed life, an appreciation for who God is and what he's done. Let me give you an example. An appreciator of fine music. He wants to share the experience of the joy he receives from hearing a fine symphony. So he brings his friend to Symphony Hall, only to find his friend fidgeting and moving around, completely bored with the whole thing. What happened? The friend has passed judgment on himself that there's no music in his heart. The experience intended to bring him joy has only become a judgment where he received no happiness at all. In other words, he didn't appreciate the music. It didn't give him joy. He remained the same. So the point is, A person's appreciation for a thing is determined by their response to it. Will it bring them joy or judgment? Which one? So, someone's response to Christ, it can bring them joy because they have an appreciation for the sacrifice of Christ. Someone else is presented with Christ and it brings them judgment because they have no response of joy. They have not accepted it. So they remain, they've judged themselves, actually. They've stayed in judgment. Now, I want to take a look at some of the responses that are found in people that have no love for Jesus Christ. And it's in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Paul said, and here's a list of people, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the unrighteous are those that, what? Refused to believe, and they're identified by the works that follow. He said, do not be deceived. In other words, don't be led astray. Neither fornicators. It's the Greek word pornos, where we get the word pornography. It speaks of unlawful sexual activity nor idolaters, those that participate in heathen worship, nor adulterers, those that defile the marriage contract, nor effeminate, the abusers of themselves with men, nor homosexuals, unnatural sex. Okay? Verse 10, thieves, those that embezzle, or steal, covetous, 
greedy of gain, drunkards. They give themselves to intoxication. We can throw drug addicts in there too. Revilers, those that are talebearers or abusive. Swindlers, those that plunder one substance. What did Paul say? They will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the lifestyle of those that refuse to accept Christ as Savior. Can you see why Jesus said the road is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction and many go that way? That's why the church needs to wake up and stand up. Wake up and stand up for what's right. Um, Once again, a person's appreciation for a particular thing is measured by, by their response to it. Okay? But someone says, wait, I prayed the prayer. I asked Jesus into my heart. Oh, I was baptized. Let me say it again. A person's appreciation for a particular thing is measured by their response to it. How do you respond to Christ and how did that change your life? That's the key. There's a Greek word scholar named A.T. Robertson. He said, this is a solemn call of the damned. Wow. Even if some of their names are on the church roll in Corinth, whether officers or church members. See, he's saying, how clean does God want his church to be? You know how clean? Paul said to the Corinthians, not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or idolater or reviler or drunkard or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. Why? Because bad company corrupts good morals. That's why. And the church needs to get some backbone today. Look at what's happening. We have Gay Pride Month. Look at what's happening. Look at how it's being promoted. We're going to do a, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to, this Sunday is June 11th. And I've been doing a series on Sundays called Lessons of Grace. And this week, we're going to see grace and homosexuality. And it's going to be a graceful message about homosexuality. But it's also going to be a wake-up call to the church a warning to the church to stand strong because Satan is out to change the culture of the country. And if he can change the culture of this country, he's going to change the culture of the world. And he's trying to mar the fact that mankind was made in the image of God. And he wants to distort that and pervert it. I'd encourage you to check it out Sunday. Don't leave your church if you have a church. Catch us online later. But the church needs to wake up and stand up. Be strong and stand strong. And live in your godly convictions. Now in Galatians 5.19, Paul, he lists similar sins. And then he adds a few more at the end of the list. And he said, again, it's a warning. See, grace 
is God warning people, don't fall into the pit. God's word is filled with warnings for our own benefit, to help us, not not to condemn us, to, to rescue us. And he said, I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Practice means lifestyle. See, it's not about falling into a sin. It's not a bad night at the bar on Friday. No, it's about a life of at the bar every night. It's lifestyle. A person's appreciation for a particular thing is measured by their response to it. That's lifestyle. See, Jesus Christ is in the life-changing business. So I ask myself, is my life being changed? Not am I being perfect, no. None of us will be perfect. But am I changing? Am I becoming less what I used to be and more like Christ is? That's the question. Am I changing? Let's call sanctification. So, God closes his message to mankind with a final warning. And it's a grace warning. We get to the end of that big Bible, Revelation chapter 20. And here's the warning in verse 11. And this was John's vision. God gave John a vision for us, for all people, so we could be warned against this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. John saw this huge white throne and earth and the atmosphere disappeared. It's like this throne was suspended in nothing. Earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. That's all the big movers and the shakers and all the little insignificant people. See, it doesn't matter anymore. Earthly status matters nothing at this judgment, rich or poor. Smart or dumb, doesn't matter. Actually, they're all dumb. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. And if anyone's name, here it comes was not found written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. Why wasn't his name in the book of life? Because he refused to acknowledge and embrace Jesus Christ as his Savior. He refused to acknowledge that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but through him. He said, no, either I'll get to heaven on my own or there is no heaven. I don't need that. That's fantasy. I don't need it. So the name never got in the book of life. 
and all the people whose names are not in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. And didn't we say, wait a minute, the devil, the beast, and the false prophet, they're already there, and they're burning, tormented, day and night. Man. But there is hope. There is hope for mankind. Because Jesus died for the sins of the world. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty, Come. And let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. What is this? This is God's invitation. He's saying, Listen, can you hear the gospel message? Jesus died for you. Believe on him and be saved. Are you thirsty? Come. I'll give you living water. It's free. It's no charge. I want to make you alive again. That's what God wants to do. See, we're all born dead to God. And therefore, he wants to give us life. He wants to make us alive. And he can only do that through the work of the Holy Spirit at the moment of faith in his Son. That's it. It's not who you are or what you've done. It's who Jesus is and what he's done. And if we embrace it and accept it, boom, at that moment, your name goes into the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the book that gets you to God. Your name goes in that book at the moment of faith in Christ. Not head knowledge, but believing, relying on him, saying, yes, Jesus, you're the one. I really believe you're the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And you died for mine. And I'm standing on that. Now your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, it's the simple gospel. It really is. And sadly, of everyone that hears it, not everybody will accept it. But you know what? We've got to get it out there to more people. That's the key. Get more people to hear it. That's why I need you to go to the Hope Club. NewHopeRadio.live Click the menu bar. Let's get this message out far and wide and share it. Share this message. It'll be on our website, newhoperadio.live. Share it. It'll be at the Hope Club podcast. And let's let people know that there's hope in Jesus Christ.